Hey everyone, Simon here. You may remember me from such podcasts as this one. Uh, we at 11FS get asked an awful lot, how do you build a challenger bank? Funnily enough, uh, we've gone and written a report. Um, the report is called How to Build a Bank, and it takes you through uh, a different way of doing it, we think. Uh, a way in which you can start small, dream big. Uh, you can think about how do you go and find that product market fit? How do you find that tiny, small proposition that customers are going to absolutely love? What customer job needs to be done? What tech needs to be put underneath it? Who are the vendors and platforms that you need to support? And how do you actually scale one of these things? Uh, that's available now. Uh, at bit.ly forward slash how to build a bank. This podcast is brought to you by Stake, the digital brokerage app bringing you unrivaled access to the US market. Invest in over 3,500 US stocks and ETFs, including game-changing companies like Google, Amazon, and Tesla. Trading is instant, direct, and commission-free. And with a fully digitized sign-up, you'll be in the market in minutes. So visit hellostake.com or search for Stake Trade to seize the US market's $31 trillion worth of opportunity today. Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Jason Bates, and it's my pleasure to be joined by TransferWise CEO Tavat Hinrikus and GoCardless CEO Hiroki Takeuchi. I hope I got those pronunciations at least vaguely right. Yeah, it was a pretty good job for me, yeah. I think you've been practicing. Well, I have actually. <laughs> I've, I've actually written them phonetically in my notes okay, wow. just to try and get there. But anyway, thanks uh, guys for joining us. Uh, it's amazing just to have one CEO with us, but to have both of you uh, is quite something. Uh, and I guess, you know, we should start off by saying that you've announced in, well, November, end of last year now, that you were joining forces to enable cross-border global payments, which seems like uh, quite a, a big announcement. What yeah, are you up to? No, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're working together to bring the kind of the direct debit network that we've been building uh, together with the, the FX proposition that uh, TransferWise have to, to make it really easy to not only send money, which you guys have already done a fantastic job of, but actually collect money as well, which is what we focus on. And, you know, on our side, TransferWise is kind of really a, a continuation of the journey. Like, we started out helping individuals, as myself and my co-founder, Christo, send money across different countries. And then we realized businesses have the very same need. And and from Zyron, we realized to do it really well, we have to build our own pipes. And then really, you know, you want to get as many payments through the pipes as possible. So it's a very natural continuation that we're going to, be, we're going to become a platform and enable other companies to build on top of the pipes we've built. So... You know, super excited about uh, having Go Cardless uh, be uh, amongst early ones to make yeah. use of this. No, very much so. But but did this did this fix a, a set of problems that were there before? You know, I guess uh, someone listening might say, well, people have been able to do cross border payments and direct debits for a long time. You know, banks have been offering these for decades. Like, what's the problem you're fixing? Well, I think that, you know, that, that I'm not actually sure I agree with you, okay. and I'm not actually sure that business owners would agree with you either. So, you know, we've done quite a lot of surveys and, you know, research into it, and it's about 70% of businesses want to expand internationally, but struggle because getting paid is too difficult. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it's actually a big barrier to, to you know, this kind of trend of globalization. And, uh, you know, what we've done with the, the partnership is bring two things together, right? Well, one is 
the direct debit systems that we've integrated with, which we're the first ones to have done across many, many countries, right? So usually what you do is you go to your bank and the bank will say, okay, well, we, we operate in the UK or we operate in you know Australia or wherever it is. And then they'll give you access to the local system. Uh-huh. But if you want to you know, collect direct debit from a different country, then you know, that, that, that's a different conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, and then marry that with the FX proposition that uh, TransferWise have so that you don't need to worry about different currencies and things like that. You can collect from your customers wherever they are in the world and receive payouts directly into your bank account in your local currency. I mean, I, I, I kind of uh, also violently argue against what you said. Uh, Great. You know, many things have been possible uh, in the past, you know. By, by that theory, we wouldn't have had to progress beyond the fax machine. Sure. Because, you know, we could get messages across different countries using a fax machine before, but, you know, it's actually better to do it in a, <laughs> in a real-time video call. So fax sure. machines are kind of obsolete and... Uh, you know, sending money was possible. You could put it, uh, you could put it in a donkey and send it to a different country, and it would take a couple of days to get there. Sure. You know, it doesn't mean that that it should stay that way. So I think you know, we're kind of living in a world where everything, uh, by definition, is getting uh, cheaper, faster, and better. And uh, and if anyone stands in the way, then typically these people will will fall over at some point. So um, this sounds like it's a great play for digital businesses because against that myth of globalization that I can make a startup down here in Shoreditch and then suddenly have businesses across the world pay me, uh, from what I'm hearing from you guys, actually that's just not the reality, that actually getting paid and uh, in a variety of currencies with direct debits or SEPA or however you want to do it in different countries is a, was a pain to set up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I, and I guess when I've spoken to businesses who are going through this before, they've quite often wanted had to move banks to a, a global player like HSBC or City or someone that has ING that has you know setups everywhere in order to enable that. Mm. Um, th- does this change that as well? I don't actually think that such a thing as a global bank really exists. You know, you look at someone like ING or HSBC. I think HSBC is in like fifteen countries, and you know, if you if you look closely enough, it's fifteen different banks who yeah. only share these four letters HSBC. There's not much else that is actually uh, actually common. Uh-huh. So I think uh, if you are doing things internationally, the world is still very much against you. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah, you, 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 when you're talking to you know HSBC or uh, you know any of the banks, like you're you're talking to the local bank, right? And they don't necessarily give you access to all of the infrastructure that exists all around the world. And even if you can get the access through them, you know, there's a lot of technology that's missing, right? So you know, each of these systems is quite different. You need to go and build separate integrations or submit different files into different places to get the, you know, to transact the payments in the first place. These are all things that you don't really want want to be worrying about. You just want, you know, a simple API that, you know, connects into your systems and, you know, works in a really seamless way. So, you know, I think that this 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 definitely hasn't been possible before in and, the way that we're doing it. And did we talk about how much they charge you for using through mainframes? Well, yeah, they're, they're, those mainframes are expensive to run. So, you know. Yeah, they're very. Also, I mean, a big part of it is you don't even know how much you're going to receive, right? So you'll collect payment from your customer, or you'll send money to your uh, to, to your customer, or something like that. And then it's like, okay, well, it's kind of like a lottery, isn't it? It's like how much how much actually arrives in the bank account and when is a they're both open questions. So where do where does your partnership come in? If I'm a, a new business, a new startup, or a scale up that, and I've been pretty successful in the UK, but now want to provide my services across the world, 
like what what's the what's the approach what how, what would i have to do in order to make that work with you, with your service well uh, so what what we've been focused on is really focusing on the the collection side of things right so i i have customers around the world you know maybe i'm invoicing them on a regular basis maybe that it's a subscription service and you want to collect payment on a regular basis from those customers and using our platform what you can do is set up a, a direct debit regardless of where the customer is we, we cover about 30 countries now um and you're able to collect payment directly from their bank account in their local currency and then get it paid out in whatever currency you choose, right? And, and that, that's really the, the beauty of it is that you don't need to worry about all of the, the systems that exist behind the scenes. You don't need to worry about what FX rate you're going to get because, you know, we, we, we were very much uh, aligned on the, that kind of approach of transparency and simplicity in the pricing. And you know exactly when you're going to get paid and how much you're going to get paid uh, from the point of collection. And is this something that people can sign up to now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we've got uh, the the first customers using it already. It's, it's been growing really, really quickly. I mean, we launched the thing in in November, uh, and you know, from there, it's we've seen some really exciting growth numbers. So uh, I think that it was going to get big very, very quickly. Interesting. And does this tie into the sort of the global account thing that I heard Transferwise talking about? You know, previously the ability to open accounts, you know, with multiple currencies in different countries. So borderless account is an in- entirely different product. So, okay. so borderless account is really an evolution of the transfer by send money product, and it enables uh, individuals and businesses to keep a balance of transfer wise, keep it in a number of different currencies, have a, a bright green debit card you can use to spend that balance down, mm-hmm. and also give you local account numbers in a number of different countries. So mm-hmm. it's actually the so the transfer borderless account is is our way of thinking of how do you build a banking product for the people who don't know which country they live in. Okay, so that's <laughs> much more of a consumer uh, product versus it's consumers the and for businesses as well. And we're finding it very popular with businesses too. But uh, but that's like that's that's a transfer wise product versus this isn't really. What uh, what Hiroki and uh, and Kukarlis is using is is a transferwise platform, so you can access that functionality through an API, and you can build it into your product. Yeah, so exactly. Consumer like customers of GoCarless don't even know that TransferWise is being used Yeah, I mean, we tell the them, but... They're, but they're, it's because yeah, you're very nice. Yeah, we're very nice. <laughs> we, we, we like you guys, but the... Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's kind of the, the two sides of, of a different coin, right? So, like, TransferWise, the, the, the borderless account is more focused on, like, helping people to pay, right? Yeah. Send money. We're helping people collect money. And, you know, the, the reality is that you know, depending on what you're trying to move money for, there's very different use cases, right? Sure. So imagine, like, if you had to go and send a subscription manually every time, like, that would be a real pain in the ass. Whereas, you know, you want to be able to collect that on an automated basis. So, you know, they're very different use cases that we see, uh, the, the kind of the different products. That makes sense. So how did this, this uh, partnership, this approach come to be? Well, it, it was, we've known each other for a long time, right? We started around the same time in London. Um, and, you know, we, I, I think that what's been interesting to, to, for me is that, you know, the, the general trend that you're, I think we're seeing in, in fintech uh, largely is that uh, businesses are creating quite focused offerings and then going very global. Uh, you know, obviously with TransferWise, you know, being FX, you, you guys started on that path much sooner than we did. Uh, but then as we've kind of moved our attention to, to building out more of a global platform, 
you know, adding FX is a really core part of that, right? And one of the questions that we asked ourselves was, okay, well, should we be building this ourselves or, you know, should we be leveraging other people who've, who've done this already? And, you know, we, when we looked around and, you know, saw the the API that, you know, TransferWise had built, uh, it was really good timing, really, because uh, that's exactly what we were looking for. And, you know, like you said, you've invested a lot in building out all the pipes. And, you know, that's not our expertise. Our expertise is on other areas of the payment stack. And so, you know, we don't really want to go and replicate that. We, it mm. makes a lot more sense to partner. I guess that whole sort of business platform that can support other businesses as well as consumer propositions that are built using the same platform thing is something we're seeing, well, Starling's doing, you know, a similar thing in terms of uh, processing payments for the Department of Work and Pensions while at the same time offering business and, and current accounts. Is that something you see, you know, as 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 a new pattern in fintech or a new approach? Or? I mean, I think um, may, many companies are, are offering the services over an API as well. And, uh, you know, it's for us, uh, Gokola's using it was very natural. And, you know, we've kind of thought about how do we how do we enable other companies to do international business uh, much easier. And so it just made made perfect sense for us. Um, uh, you, you were mentioning that you started around the same time. I was just looking it up before we uh, spoke. Like uh, 10 years ago, it seems like it's uh, flashed by. A lot must have changed in that time from, you know, a, a time in which everyone was saying fintech is going to come and kill the banks to a point where it seems now we've got large established companies working together on, I don't know, a different fabric for, for how things work. Like, I mean, funny, like, you know, 10 years ago, I don't think we... We ha- we even dreamt about this being called fintech. No, I mean that wasn't a word I'd ever heard before. It was like now there's a fintech podcast, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, wasn't we, it was definitely not a conscious thing. But I, I don't know. I think uh, to me, the exciting thing is that now we can um, now we can look at uh, you know there are a lot of fintech businesses around the world that have more than a million customers, and mm. you know while and you you can really say that this fintech thing has become uh, has become a real thing. But I, I would say it's still very early days. I mean, if you look around, if you look around the world, most people are still using products from the legacy banking providers. So I think there's, there's a long time to go until everybody has modern financial services. And you know, these will be provided a lot by the fintech companies, you know, like TransferWise and Co-Cards of the world as they keep on growing. But also the banks will get better. And I think you know, what's important is that consumers win in the end. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Do you think that banks are getting better over the last decade? Have, have you spurned uh, innovation? Have we seen great changes? I actually, if you, if you think about uh, consumer bankings and, uh, you, know, I, like, you know, today we have great leaders like, you know, Monzo has a fantastic banking experience. But I, I, actually, I think that uh, legacy banks will, will probably catch up to it. I mean, Monzo might keep a lead, but, you know, is it going to be 10 times better? Probably not forever. So I think in that sense, you know, over time, we'll probably see uh, the playing field get more more even for, for everyone. Yeah. But the key is that now it's a kind of the, the perfect storm moment for, for everyone to try to capitalize. And, and we'll figure out now whether in the end state, the fintechs own 20% of the market or 40 or 80 and so, you know, so legacy banks, uh, as hard as it is for them to go through uh, transformations, they're all trying. Some of them will succeed and some won't. 
Mm, I think it's also, you know, a couple of things to add there, right? So, so the first is that these markets are huge, right? So especially when you start looking at individual financial services and then looking at them on a, on a global basis, uh, these are very, very big markets. And then I think the other thing is that, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see where, I, I think I fully agree with you, it's like, what, does fintech companies end up with like 20% market share, 80% market share? I think the reality will be very different from product to product, right? So, you know, wh- when you look at like the core retail banking experience, they're probably, I imagine the banks are going to fight, you know, tooth and nail to keep that. But then things like FX or things like payments, these are areas where it's not necessarily like the bank's uh, core focus, right? It's it's one of the the ancillary products that they sell, and that that's an area where I, you know I imagine that you know you'll see more of the kind of the focused fintech offerings taking larger share. But you know it's a it's also play for still. I guess rationally, uh, you know, I would uh, verge towards fintech's taking a smaller percentage because the big banks have all the customers, all the capital, lots of experience. Uh, but innovators' dilemma view of the world says that that's just not the case, that actually they're, you know, established legacy cultures and mindsets and infrastructure and everything else will just keep them, you know, doing the same products for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I also think that one of the things that feels like it's very different now to what it was like, say, 20 years ago, is that uh, if it always was sort of the rationale was banks have the relationship and you know the, the relationship is everything, right? And then you know they leverage that relationship to go and sell all the products. But I think that you know one of the things that really enabled com- companies like ourselves to to get off the ground and, and going is that there's been this sort of mindset shift amongst consumers and businesses where they're no longer as focused on just the, the core relationship, right? Like you, it's very easy to from your mobile phone be having 10, 15, 20 different financial services relationships uh, without having to, you know, go to any trouble, right? And so, you know, people are shopping around more, people are looking for the best-in-class solution for whatever it is they're trying to do. And so I think that is quite a big shift uh, and probably changes the dynamic. And I think we're still kind of going through the shift from branches to mobile phone. Like yeah. The only branch that matters is the branch that you have with you, which is your smartphone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, still, I think, there are many banks that do think too much about branches. Oh, I kind of feel sorry for them on that front, though, because like I, I actually think that the banks can't shut the branches down, right? The government won't let them. You know, I, I think that you know there's a lot of society that they're still serving with those branches. This probably the least profitable part of the the whole market, and the, it's very difficult to walk back from. So in that sense, you know. Uh, the, the the technology companies have started in the last five ten years that they've got an unfair advantage, but you know, that, that's that's the kind of the way with these things, I guess. And I guess we've seen this uh, this move from people establishing beachheads and aiming for a very specific use case before spreading out. You know, TransferWise is now offering a card and an account. Revolut went from a sort of consumer FX play sort of out to more broader services. I guess the the big challenge is, you know, it's that classic Steve Jobs thing: Are you a feature or a you know a big business? Uh, and I guess it ties into unbundling and rebundling. Like, at what point do uh, do these things sort of come back together? Is there always a space for a transferwise, or or does transferwise evolve into something that then eats, you know, other parts of the retail, you know, uh, area? That's a fantastic question, and I think um, one way to draw a line here is to think about how big is that feature and how how complex is it. You know, if we're looking at what does it really mean to be doing international payments really well, that's actually hell, a hell of a big feature. 
you know, you have to build their own infrastructure. And you know, we have 2,000 people working uh, mm. just to make international payments, and we're far from being done. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, we're, we are today the best way to move money around the world. You can send money from Australia to UK. It'll be here within, within a few seconds. That was not possible before transfer-wise. You could put it in a boat and send it. It'll take two months. And uh, no one else has much incentive to do it because, as we spoke before, banks are very local businesses, you know, sort of worried about, you know, how do I get someone in Hong Kong to get a mortgage and how do I do a mortgage in Australia? So not many people are incentivized to build that global way of moving money. Mm -hmm. So while, you know, you could say it's a feature, it's a pretty big feature, which is very hard to do. So I'd rather say that in the future, we're going to be in a position where every bank in the world will work transfer-wise because there is no alternative. Mm -hmm. So it's building that core fabric sort of rails, the, uh, you know, the MasterCard and Visa view of the world, where actually if you can be that vital infrastructure, you're, you're, you know, you're there for, for good. Yeah, exactly. And it is, uh, you know, it's really about going, going in depth and making sure we do one thing really well. So we've consciously chosen that we're actually only focusing on one thing which has to do with the international movement of money because uh, that's so damn hard to do that, you know, we really need to keep on doubling down on it every year. Mm-hmm. And as long as we keep on doing it, it's very hard for anyone else to, to catch up to us. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. Um, what do you think about sort of China and, and the, mo- the move of the massive fintechs there, which seem to dwarf everyone else in terms of you know, the, the amount of money they move and the intelligence and the, you know, the approaches that they take? Do you, do you think that the Chinese fintechs are going to make a move across the world or is it just a very uh, localized, if you can call it localized, to a basically a continent so i think i think in the in the big picture it's very interesting to see like how the chinese uh, tech companies are thinking about going overseas and you know surely they have global ambition as well on the other hand you know i think uh, to say it's been a lucky coincidence of timing and so on like one massive market which has been going through technological shift so has kind of enabled them to build such businesses you know there is no other other such massive market, or you know, let's take EU together or similar amount of people, um, well, more more or less. Uh, but uh, but we started from very different places. Mm. You know, we started with kind of a legacy banking and so on. Versus, I think for them, they really had the advantage of starting and being able to to build something from an uh, on a clean uh, piece of paper and mm. and just get to massive scale, which is super exciting. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think that you know, it's, what's been interesting to see is the way that the, the sort of cultural differences in terms of, you know, preferences around how people transact, right? It's very different in China versus anywhere else in the world. Um, and it's almost like they've leapfrogged, you know, some of the, the core infrastructure that we had uh, in, in Europe. And you've seen a kind of a similar phenomenon in Africa as well, right? Where you know, people have gone straight from having, you know, cash and, you know, no bank account to, just having mobile wallets. Um, so, you know, I, but I think that it's going to be an interesting one to see how those Chinese companies go on more internationally, right? Because uh, they've, I think, enjoyed a very, very big market, which has got uh, super high barriers to entry, like really difficult to enter the, 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 the Chinese market, especially for financial services. Um, and, you know, uh, obviously the cultures are very different as well. So it's, you know, it's very different products. I'm not sure how they translate. And uh, that, that's, that, that definitely feels like there's a big kind of gap between the two markets. 
So what's next for Go Cardless and TransferWise? You know, where does this, uh, where do the businesses lead as we move on to, I guess, the second decade? Is this like the second album? The uh, you know, it's always the difficult one. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I, you have to ask me that again in a decade, I suppose. <laughs> but, the, uh, but no, I mean, look, for us, uh, the, the big focus has been around the global expansion, right? And a big part of the focus there has been building out the, the capability. So you know, over the last couple of years, we've gone from being very much a European-centric business to being much more of a global one. Um, and you know, it, adding the, the the kind of the partnerships with transfers, things like that. So, so it's really about leveraging that global network and you know, that's taking us into new markets like the US or Australia or other, other countries as well. Um, but it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really about growing on top of that, um, which is going to be the big focus for the next year or so. I think sequels are typically longer and better. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty excited for the next uh, for the next decade. I mean, for us, you know, in a way it is about doing, just continuing to do what we've been really, really good at. We have 15% market share in the UK, you know, let's grow that to to 30% and same time, let's get all the other countries up to 15%. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still just rolling out a borderless card in in many of our, many of the countries we have the send money product. You know, the API is still, still nascent, you know. We still have, you know, about around 10 banks that are partnered with TransferWise to use uh, to use uh, TransferWise send money infrastructure for the customer. Like, you know, there's many, many more banks we want to integrate and offer this with. So, it's just continuing to do more of what we've done so far. Exciting times. Uh, Tavit, Hiroki, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, where can people find out more about you and what you've been talking about? Um, I'm not very active on Twitter, but probably Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. Okay. Transferwise, you know, we have uh, six million customers uh, whom we're sharing the news with. So it's the best way is to become a customer. Yeah, there you go. The the big pitch at the end. I like it. As for me, you can find me at Jason Bates on Twitter. Thanks for listening. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our podcast. Review us on iTunes. We love reading those reviews. Pass the podcast along. If you know someone who loves fintech, who doesn't? Uh, and isn't listening to Fintech Insider, who isn't? Uh, tell them about the show. If you've got any questions or feedback, please reach out on Twitter or email podcasts at 11fs.com. Thanks. Goodbye.